But today, right now, we want to talk about another virtue, right? We've been talking about, uh, during this 50 days, this journey of counting the Omer, the euphemism for counting uh, the days uh, on this journey, we might say from Egypt to Sinai, uh, or from you know the resurrection to uh, uh, Pentecost, right? The pouring out of, of the Spirit. For us, it's kind of it, it's kind of like a uh, you know a spiritual journey uh, that we're on, uh, and hopefully it's uh, it leads to transformation. And we've encouraged everyone to be intentionally reading the scriptures. I suggested the book of Jeremiah, unless you have lots of other things you're reading, and then that's, uh, that's fine. Uh, but intentionally reading it, recognizing the period of time that we're in. And then also praying for uh, each other uh, in our kihila, in our community. And specifically, uh, praying that the eyes of our heart might be open to understand the hope of our calling, uh, to understand the inheritance that we have, uh, and the power of God. Uh, we like to pray for the stuff going on right now, for the, the, the job, the health, the, the transportation, the, the, the big three, right? Uh, but uh, in the big scheme of things, uh, during this period of time, May we be praying for a, a deepening in our relationship with God. And so therefore, I'm talking during these weeks about a variety of virtues. Because when we talk about uh, a relationship with God, it can be this nebulous thing that we're talking, this relationship, what, you know, what does it mean? I mean, I feel good, I feel better. Well, the reality is, is that when we are... Uh, walking with the Lord and we're engaging in hopefully transformative kinds of things, our life changes, right? Not just uh, feelings or, uh, you know, or learning more things, uh, but our life changes. The way we conduct our life changes. Uh, and, uh, and so virtues uh, are ways of life, habits, ways of life. Uh, that we engage in that become uh, synonymous with our with who we are. So we talked about humility. Uh, we talked about mercy. Uh, we talked about confidence or courage. Uh, and today uh, we are uh, going to talk uh, yet about uh, another virtue, and that is a virtue of generosity. Generosity. And, uh, you know, as I've said, when you, when you study these, uh, these virtues, uh, that uh, it's kind of like looking at a diamond, okay? That you're looking at one thing and seeing all different kinds of perspectives and looks, and each is beautiful, you know? And really what we're talking about is the goodness of God, the goodness of of God, if you remember back in Exodus uh, chapter uh, 33, Moses says, "Show me your glory," and God says, "Well, all of my goodness will pass before you." And uh, then uh, in uh, chapter 34, we see the attributes of God uh, pass before uh, Moses, and 
God calls them his goodness, even though we could categorize them in different ways and there's different things to say about them. It's all about the goodness of God. And so generosity falls uh, into that uh, category uh, as well. When you think about generosity, you know, when you just look it up in the dictionary, what does generosity mean? What does it mean to be generous? Being ready and willing to give money, help, kindness, where needed, sharing resources with others, having a big heart, a readiness to give in abundance, more than what is necessary, sharing uh, beyond yourself. That's just a sampling of English uh, definitions. But when you think about it, usually we just think about generous means giving. Generous equals giving. But if you are, uh, let's say you are at uh, the Thanksgiving dinner table and there's lots of food on the table, right? Uh, and you pass down your plate because you want some mashed potatoes. And uh, whoever is, uh, you know, uh, sitting in front of the mashed potatoes gives you a whole bunch, like a big mountain of them. And then you get it back. You might say, I received a generous helping. Generous does not just mean give something or give beyond your means. It means a lot. <laughs> it means large. It means, you know, robust. Uh, and so when we're talking about generous, we have to think in big terms, big terms. Abundance is probably a, a, a very good term in this context. Giving abundantly, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so when we think about it, every kind of virtue that there is is demonstrated in, in God. God is the author of virtues, a virtuous life. Uh, and uh, when we talk about the way we live and the, and the way that we demonstrate a transformed life, what, you know, as, as Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, I'm crucified with Messiah. It is no longer I who lives, but Messiah lives in me. Well, if Messiah lives in me, that means I'm demonstrating uh, godly uh, uh, virtues. Uh, and uh, it's not just I want to do my best for God. It's, it, is, uh, it is getting out of the way and allowing uh, God to have his way with us, right? So when we talk about generosity, you, you actually uh, start in, uh, in creation, right? Uh, God uh, was generous in the creation. He shared life with us. He created us in his image uh, and his uh, likeness, not like anything else, uh, that was uh, created. God was very generous also uh, in the creation, in making a world uh, uh, for us. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's a great passage in First Chronicles chapter 29 that really articulates God being generous. And it comes at a very interesting moment. Uh, and that is, you know, we all know that Solomon built the temple, right? Okay. Well, you know, many uh, Jewish, uh, and I can say this, many Jewish businesses are called, well, this one was called David and Sons. Never mind. Okay. Uh, and, and, and what I'm saying is, is that while David didn't build the temple, 
David, at the end of First uh, Chronicles here, uh, in chapter uh, 28 and 29, he assembles everybody and he says that Solomon is going to build the temple. But in order for him to build the temple, we need to raise, uh, we, we need to, uh, we need a, a big contribution. Okay? Uh, and so David talks about that contribution. Uh, and then beginning in verse 10 of First Chronicles chapter 29, and this is what he says. So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord our God. The, oh, blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and, and thou dost exalt, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. In other words, it all belongs to God, and he shares it with us. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and what are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? In other words, what they're giving, you know, for the temple. For all things come from you and from your hand we have uh, given, we have given to you. For we are sojourners before you and tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, uh, and there is no hope. What he means, no hope in, in those things, right? I, o, o Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build thee a house for your holy name is from your hand, and all is yours." What an interest, it goes on a little bit more. What an interesting prayer. In other words, he's saying, everything belongs to you, Lord, and you've shared it with us so that we're able to give it back to you. That's what he's saying. He doesn't say, thank you, Lord, that you've given us so much, so now I can finally get that car of my dreams. You know, or I now, you know, it's like uh, winning a uh, $100,000 on Jeopardy. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, it's, uh, it's you provided, you've given it to me so I can give it back uh, to you. Right. And so the, the point I want to make first uh, in this prayer is that God is generous it all begins with God. He's the model of generosity, of giving in abundance, right? Now, we have lots of examples of people who, who have uh, had a heart to give. Abraham is a great example of this. You know, in uh, chapter 13 of Genesis, where uh, he's got his nephew, Lot, right? Uh, and uh, both of them now uh, have herds and cattle, and, and uh, as they say in the movies, 
this land isn't big enough for the both of us, right? Uh, and so Abraham, by right, could have said to Lot, okay, you need to go and find your own place. God gave this land to me. But that's not what he does. What does he do? He, say, he says to Lot, look to yourself north, south, east, and west, and take whatever land you want. That's abundant. That's a heart of generosity. Uh, you know, uh, 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 abundant giving. A heart like God. Then there's, uh, in the Brit Hadashah, there are numerous examples. One is Barnabas, the son of encouragement, right? Well, we read in Acts chapter 4 uh, that he owned a field. He owned land. He sold it uh, and laid the money at the feet of the apostles. Again, generosity. A great one is in Luke chapter 19, and we can turn there for just a minute. Luke chapter 19, and you have a famous, a famous man who never in his wildest dreams could ever have realized how famous he would be, right? And his name is Zacchaeus, okay? In Luke 19, okay. So we read here, I'll just read these beginning in the uh, the first verse. And he entered and was passing through Jericho, and behold, there was a man uh, called by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief, chief tax gatherer, and he was rich. Not only was he a collaborator with the Romans, but he was really great at it, okay? He was in charge. He was the chief tax gatherer. That meant... He was a Jewish person whom the Romans got to collect taxes from other Jews. Not a good place to be. Not a popular uh, occupation whatsoever. Okay? And he was rich. And he was trying to see who Yeshua was. And he was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Yeshua came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. That's Yeshua. He knows just who to find, right? Just who to find. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. How could Yeshua hang out with that guy? He's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Yeshua said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, why do I bring this up? Because here, Zacchaeus, evidently, uh, we could see Yeshua knows his heart. He has embraced the Messiah. And what is the evidence of this? A heart of generosity. A heart of generosity. Not, Lord, what can you give me? Now I belong to you. What do I get? No, No, what does he say? He goes exactly against his way of life. 
His way of life was taking advantage of people. His way of life was getting rich off the backs of people. But what happens? You talk about repenting and turning around. That is what Zacchaeus does. Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, when you, uh, one, you know, one of the advantages of reading the Bible like in large chunks is you know what happens before this and you know what happens after it. Well, you know what's before this? It's not right, right before it, but just a few verses before it in chapter 18. Someone comes uh, to uh, uh, Yeshua uh, and says to him this. It's in 1818 of Luke. And a certain ruler questioned him saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Yeshua said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good uh, except God alone. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. I'm in, I'm in good shape. I've checked all the boxes, right? And when Yeshua heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you possess and distribute it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And Yeshua looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And they, they who heard it said, Then who can be saved? And he said, These things, the things impossible with men are possible with God. And so just oh, about 10 verses uh, later, we see what is impossible uh, uh, for men becomes very possible for God. And that is this changed heart in this wealthy, unethical tax gatherer who now is willing, you know, to give away his own resources. And so it's all put together the way it is on purpose, right? You see well, who's often referred to as the rich young ruler uh, and Zacchaeus. What is the difference? we see Zacchaeus has a heart of generosity. A heart of generosity. So do not underestimate a heart of generosity. Certainly to Yeshua, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, paramount. Then there's another example. Uh, in, uh, uh, we read about it anyway in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Paul is talking about the generosity of the believers. And uh, he's talking about the Corinthians, about being uh, uh, generous. This is in this series of passages in the neighborhood of God loves a cheerful giver, you know, in passages like that, right? That's a little later on. But it's in that Paul's talking about giving. Well, what he does is he uses a group of people as an example, a very positive example. And they are the Macedonians. Okay, the Macedonians. You'll be going that neck, uh, to that neck of the woods, uh, I think, right? Yes, right? So uh, we read here uh, at the beginning of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 
Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the congregations of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy, otherwise known as generosity, uh, and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging with us much entreaty for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. In other words, here, they were not wealthy, but they gave a lot and they begged him to, to, to receive more from them. That's a generous heart, okay? That's not looking at percentages. That's a generous a heart. And then he says, And this, not as we had expected, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. There's a lot that we can learn there. And I, whenever I read this, I always have to say it, that many years ago, this was the passage that was being uh, taught when I, after I was a believer, uh, and, and uh, on the fence about vocational ministry and all that, it was this passage when David Wilkerson said in a small little group in Buffalo where I used to live, a small little group, he said, but they gave themselves to the Lord first. I mean, that was like, that changed my whole life. That's why I'm standing here right now, right? They gave themselves to the Lord first. What a great example of generosity. They gave themselves to the Lord. In other words, it wasn't just, uh, hey, you know, I like what they're doing. I think I'll be supportive of their efforts. No, that this was an evidence of them being a living and holy sacrifice of saying, I'm, I'm yours, I am crucified with Messiah, yet it is no longer I who live, but Messiah lives in me. And if you go back to the first verse of 2 Corinthians 8, it says that the grace of God was given in the congregations of Macedonia. The whole experience is called the favor of God. The ability, the, the heart, the desire, the ability and the heart is all from the grace of God. Uh, and so he uses them as an example of giving. But there's a couple, there's something else. So um, uh, a little bit farther down, he talks about he talks about giving more. And then he says in verse 9, he's talking again to the Corinthians. And so he not only uses the Macedonians as an example. But of course, he uses Yeshua as the prime example of generosity. Someone who did not have very much money. And what do we read in verse 9? If you jump down to verse 9 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Isn't that great? He's not talking about his money. He's talking about his person. He's talking about his, his nefesh. He's talking about who he was and the sacrifice that he made for us, this giving in abundance. 
that Yeshua did for us, that we might be better off, that we might become rich. So clearly we see Yeshua, we see, um, we see the Macedonians, uh, we see Barnabas, we see Zacchaeus, we see Abraham, and then there's one other place of example, and this is an admonition. It's not about someone, but it's an admonition, and you have to read it carefully to really get it, and that is in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 4 in verse 28. Right? Of course, you know, in Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul is explaining to these people who are no longer pagans, but they're not Jews, these people who have embraced, Gentiles who have embraced Yeshua, and explaining to them how they've been brought in. And then after, yay, we've been brought in, then he says, now I, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you've been called. And so in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he proceeds to teach them a Torah way of life. Okay? Uh, and so in uh, verse 28, he says, Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his hands what is good, so that he can take care of himself and he doesn't have to steal. Does it say that? No, it doesn't. Once again, may I suggest, read the Bible. Okay. All right? Let him who steals steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with somebody else. Not, not, don't steal, get a job so you can take care of yourself. No, it's don't steal, get a job so that you can bless somebody else. Isn't that great? And uh, so uh, uh, very important, this issue of generosity. Generosity uh, is, uh, is everywhere, is everywhere. Now, uh, in the uh, Torah uh, and in several other places, not only do we have examples of generosity, but we have admonitions. And I guess that passage in Ephesians 4 was an admonition of generosity, but if you go back to the Torah, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 15, we read this. Beginning in verse 4, beginning in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 15. There shall be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the God of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all of these commandments that I'm commanding you today. For the Lord your God shall bless you as he has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow, and you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. Beware lest there be a base thought in your heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of remission is near, uh, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, 
and you give him nothing, then he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin to you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your understanding. By the way, in the beginning of verse 11, it says, for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Isn't it interesting? It says in verse 4, the poor, there shall be no poor among you, but the poor will, will uh, always be in the land. Uh, that has great, that has some really interesting significance when you study those two passages. Uh, but I'm holding back uh, on that. But let's just talk about what we have, what we have here. What's interesting here uh, is if you look in a uh, Hebrew uh, concordance, you can look high and low. You're not going to find a word for generous. You're not going to find it. There is no Hebrew word for generous. Just like, now here's, here's a little Hebrew lesson. And, and this is true in most languages. I don't know most languages, but I know something about Hebrew. That there's a number of words in English for which there are no words in Hebrew. You know, one of the simplest ones is the word have, H-A-V-E. There is no word in Hebrew for have. Like, I have a new car, or I have a Bible. No, you have to put together two other words, yeshli, which means there is to me. And in the mind of a Hebrew speaker, it's the same meaning as I have. But you, if you looked up have, where's have? I'm looking in the ages. I don't see anything. No, that's how languages are. It's not about, you know, English is not the base language of the universe, right? Uh, and so there must be other words in every other language to equal English. No, it doesn't work that way at all, right? So what do we have here in, uh, uh, in Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 15? It's kind of interesting. And uh, so in verse uh, 8, when it says he shall generously lend, so what you have here without going... It, it, so you have one word that Marcy will appreciate this, right? The word lend is in the infinitive absolute, followed by a cal imperfect, okay, of the same word. Meaning, it's like screaming. It's like saying, lend a lot. It's like standing out, right? And so the English translator has to convey this idea that it's not lend him. It's lend him. Right? And so the word generously is, is in the text because those two words next to each other, it means that. Then two verses down, you have the very same thing with the Hebrew word, not, not ta, no tain, give. You have the same, the same, uh, formula, one might say, but a different word. And so it's not just you shall give to him, it's you shall give to him! Right? You shall generously give to him. Uh, and so in the text, it's like yelling at us about lending and about giving uh, and, and how important, uh, and how important uh, that is, right? Uh, and uh, you know, when you come to the New Covenant and this issue of admonitions about wealth uh, and, and about the place of wealth in our lives and and so on, and giving. There's several passages. One of them is uh, in the uh, Gospels, the words of Yeshua, in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 19. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart be all, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Okay? Now, so, of course, he doesn't use the word generous or the word give here, but this is the problem if we ask ourselves, why, why is it that I, I'm not really a generous person? Why do I have a hard time sharing? You know? And it's not about, I'm not worshiping money. Most of us would not say that. I'm not worshiping money, right? But perhaps because of uh, fear of, uh, you know, fear of loss. Or I remember my parents, you know, growing up in the Depression, which now is like, you know, only in the history books, right? <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, that... Uh, uh, you know, make sure that you eat every morsel of food that you have because you don't know where the next meal's coming from. So we may have all kinds of history uh, with us, but this issue of fear of loss uh, or, uh, or being kind of like Kohelet uh, in, uh, you know, in the book of, uh, in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, where uh, all, I, all I know is what I see and observe and what I think. And so therefore, that's all I have. And so I better, I better keep and enjoy what I have uh, because that's it. It's all she wrote. We all end up in the same place on a hole in the ground, you know? Uh, and so I got to hang on uh, to, uh, to, what I, to what I have, even though we know the verses about trusting God, but it, become, it can be very difficult for us. Let's be honest. It is not easy always to uh, have this heart of generosity. So what is Yeshua saying? He's saying here that there's, there's, more, than, there's more than meets the eye, uh, certainly to wealth. There's more than meets the eye, right? Uh, and if you're consumed with saving recognize that it will you can take it with you right you can take it with you and you don't know what's going to happen to it but you can lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where it's a it's a sure thing it's the best investment you know there's there's uh there's no bear market when it comes to treasures uh in heaven and treasures in heaven uh, is, you know, uh, is when we are willing to trust God for our future and therefore, uh, you know, uh, be thankful to God for what he's provided me, but to be a generous giver. It doesn't mean take an oath of poverty, okay? 
It doesn't mean take an oath of poverty. That's really very important, and I, I hadn't planned on saying this, but I better say this. You know the passage, I, I won't turn to it, but you know the passage where Paul is talking about giving, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and he says um, how a workman is worthy of his hire. When he says that, it's not, in its context, the passage is not referring to vocational ministry. It's referring to people who work should earn a proper wage. It's like an ethical thing. And then what he does, he applies that to people that teach and preach and, and uh, share the good news vocationally. A workman is worthy of his hire. He goes on to say that he worked. He did not, he did not get his income from them, but, but he worked. And my guess is he charged a fair wage so that he could support himself so that he could give of himself, right? So it's not about, this is not about taking an oath of poverty. It means understanding wealth and understanding that it all belongs to God and we do get to keep some of it, right? But uh, we're not to hang on to it for dear life. Our life is not in the wealth. We only worship a God and that's what his point is here. It's about being generous. And there's a reason, there's another reason that's, and it's hidden in this text, that we know that this is about generosity. If you've ever read these verses, 6, 19 to 24, uh, did you ever wonder why in the middle of it does he say, the lamp of the body is the eye? If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light uh, that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Why is he talking about ophthalmology uh, in the middle of uh, don't, uh, you know, don't focus on wealth? You know, again, focusing on wealth means if I'm, if, if I'm all about the, you know, my own investments and hanging on to it and hanging on to it, I'm not going to have a generous heart right? But now he's talking about eyes. Why is he talking about eyes? He's talking about eyes because of a couple of passages in the book of Proverbs and elsewhere. But if you turn to Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, this is very interesting. Remember, there's no word for generosity in the Hebrew Bible, but we have other words, okay? So in uh, 22.9, we read this. In English, right? He who is generous will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. Okay, well, this is really very interesting because in uh, 22.9, in Hebrew, this is what it says at the beginning of the verse. Tov ayin hu yivorach. Tov ayin, a good eye, a good eye. In English, it's translated generous. He who has a good eye, okay, will be blessed, for he gives some of his food to the poor. All right? Now, it's interesting, if you go one chapter later, in chapter 23, we read these verses. In verses 4 to 6, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. 
When you set your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes its wing, itself wings like an eagle that flies toward the heavens. Have you, any of you noticed, by the way, if, if any of you have a retirement account, have you checked it lately? Just thought I'd ask. All right. Uh, in verse 6, now, the next verse in verse 6 says this. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his delicacies. Well, it just so happens that here in chapter 23, in verse 6, what does it say here? El tilcham et lechem ra'ayim, evil eye. Where it says selfish man, it's, it's evil eye. The good eye is the generous. The evil eye is the stingy. The good eye is the one who gives. The evil eye is the one who's selfish. And may I suggest that in, uh, in uh, Matthew uh, uh, chapter 6, that's why Yeshua is talking about eyes when he's talking about wealth. Because what he's really talking about is generosity. Is generosity. One who serves God is going to be generous, right? Uh, and so uh, we remember then that everything uh, belongs to God. Everything comes from God, uh, including our very lives. And so how important it is for us to uh, recognize that giving is part of why God blesses us uh, in what we have. There's one other passage, and that is in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 17 to 19, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Life is not your bank account. Life is not the 401k. Life is not the pension. Life is in the Lord. Along the journey, God supplies us. You know, some of us uh, earn more than others. It's all relative. It all belongs to God. God says it's okay to enjoy it, and it's great to give it. That's part of what we're all called to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to, to be. And that is life uh, indeed. Now, we might look at this and we might say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Well, let me say something. Rich is a very relative term, right? You go to certain parts of the world, we're all rich, okay? We're all rich. This speaks to every single one of us. No matter where we live, no matter what our income is, this applies to every single one of us. It applies to us certainly as a nation, right? That when we talk about those who are rich, uh, not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, riches are uncertain. 
We do not know what's going to happen in the days, weeks, months, years coming up. Financially, you don't know. But our life is not determined by it. Life is not determined by our finances. And finances is really where the rubber meets the road. You know, I can live without certain amenities. But money, how do I live without money? I got to get money, right? It's all wrong when we think that way. When our eyes are on the Lord, when we're focused on Him, uh, and we live an orderly, wise way of life, we will survive. And that's so important for us. It's so important for us to get, right? You know, it's easy to say, be generous, give more. But really, we have to really ask ourselves, what role does wealth play in my life? Is it number one? And it better not be. Or we will really live a, a life of fear, uh, a life of defeat, right? And, and that is not what God calls us to. But to be thankful and to be released and to be free and to use what God has blessed us with. Yes, to enjoy, but to give, right? Uh, and so very important. Now, so it's not only about money, right? Generosity is not just about money. But it is a lot about money. But it's not only about money. All right? It's not only about, because that's the thing. We're really, when you're giving, when you give, you're like really lowering what's in your bank account, you, you know, uh, and, and the opportunities that you have. Now, a lot of us will say, the reason I say this is, sometimes it's, you know, I'm going to say it's kind of a cop-out when we say, well, you know, generosity is not only about money. And so I give my time. May I suggest that sometimes when we give our time, it's because we're afraid of not giving our money. Okay? So when we say, yes, I'm giving my time, that needs to be, yeah, and my, you know, what I use to, uh, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, to, to live on, to uh, give to our benevolence, to give to uh, our congregation, uh, to give to others for varieties of good reasons, right? I, I, we uh, are called, certainly, uh, uh, to uh, give of our resources, to give uh, from our heart, to uh, give of our time, to give of our um, uh, creativity, I, I completely, holistically, to uh, be people who um, are generous, generous, you know, by nature. Well, uh, you know, there's one other passage back in Proverbs that uh, I want us to look at. Once again, a passage where there's no Hebrew word for uh, generous. And this is in uh, uh, Proverbs 11. And it's really kind of interesting, frankly, in 11.25. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. Now remember, the nature, the nature of a proverbial statement is not a promise, right? We understand that. But anyway, so in uh, Proverbs 11, 25, this is, really where the, this is really when we talk about being generous. Okay, so what does it say here? It doesn't say generous. Generous, 
it says, Nefesh Bracha, a soul of blessing, or a blessed Nefesh, right? Okay? A generous person is a person who is in their Nefesh, in their personhood, in the inner recesses of who they are, a person of blessing. Not blessed inwardly, but a person of blessing. Blessing from the nefesh, a person who blesses from within. In our English, the best we can do is generous. Okay? That's the kind of person that we're called to be. Okay? Nef- from, from our heart, from our heart, from our, our innermost being, uh, as we uh, use that term, the soul, our, our soul must be one of blessing, one of giving. And when we cultivate that kind of virtue, we will be a generous human being. Just a generous human being. Uh, and you know, another way of being generous uh, is to have a generous spirit. Just being a per- generous with other people. That means giving people a wide berth. It means being forgiving. It means not holding on to offenses. It means being kind to people that are not kind to you. That's being simply a generous human being. I'm giving in abundance, you know? Uh, And, of course, in all these uh, uh, tangible ways as well. Well, what's the end result? Yes, and it's it's an investment in the future. Uh, And if we go back to uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, Yeshua tells us what the end result is. He tells us right after he says, don't idolize wealth. It's not about the love of money, as Paul tells Timothy also, right? What does he say the end result is about serving God and having a healthy attitude about, uh, about what I own? By the way, of course, you read the Darash, right? Uh, we're strangers and aliens uh, with God in this world. And it's not about our possessions or the culture. or That's not where my identity is. My identity is in my destiny. The destiny is treasures in heaven, as we might say, right? Uh, and not, my destiny is not what my money can buy, right? Very important. So what does Yeshua say uh, at the end of it, beginning in verse 25? He says, for this reason, because of this great truth, I say to you, do not be anxious for your life. That covers everything, Okay. It's not like, don't be anxious for your retirement. Don't be anxious for this. Don't be anxious about that. Your life, your life is everything. Don't be anxious as to what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to his lifespan? And why are you anxious? You notice he's repeating the word, right? Why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Uh, Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if, if God so arrays the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious. 
And now if I was Yeshua, I might say, now what did I say? Yeah. Right? Okay, do not be anxious. What shall I eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things, now hearing doesn't mean Gentiles, meaning non-Jews. He means pagans. Okay? And when he says, use the word Gentiles here. So I'm going to use the word pagans. The pagans eagerly seek. People, out, just outsiders altogether. Okay? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now, this is not a word to... Because I'm, going to I'm going to use a Yiddish word. I know it's going to go over almost everybody's head, but then I'll explain it. This is not a word to schnorrers. Right? What does that mean? Not people who are sleeping. That means people who like don't want to work. And, uh, well, you know, I don't need to work real hard. God will supply what I need, or this person will take care of me, or, you know, I, I can always go to the Benevolence Fund uh, if I need something. I don't really have to make sure that I'm employed uh, and earning a living. No, that's not what this is. This is speaking about, uh, about having an attitude about wealth. Okay, I, I, th there are numerous passages, I don't have time for it, there are numerous passages that talk about the spiritual dimension of work, we, of working, of having a job, of supporting your family. What does uh, Paul say to Timothy? Worse than being an unbeliever, you can't support your family. So yes, very important. This is not about somebody else take care of me. This is about... Handling finance as well and having a healthy attitude is what it's about, okay? So then what does he say? Get your priorities right. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will have enough care of its own, enough trouble of its own, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? Okay, so what he's saying is, trust me. You trust me. You have your eyes focused on me. That's the filter for everything else, right? You keep your eyes off of me. If you move off of me, you're off. And your priorities will be out of kilter. You're going to make bad choices. But you keep your eyes focused on me. You stay on the path. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Don't worry. God will provide, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so important for us to, uh, to understand that. And the reason for the provision is so that, just like David said, going all the way back to the beginning in 1 Chronicles 29, you're the one God who supplies all our needs and we, we get to give it back. May we realize that that's part of being in the image uh, of God is healthy generosity in everything whether we're talking about our regular giving, whether we're talking about our benevolence giving, whether we're talking about other anecdotal situations out there, whatever it may be, may we be generous people. May we have a, 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 um, a nefesh of blessing and may the world see it and desire it and embrace Yeshua. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that, that, uh, that uh, having a heart of generosity has a boomerang effect, that we accrue blessings in our life, a, a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction 
Lord, in our own lives, when we are generous, because it's part of how you created us to be. And when we live out how you created us to be, there is a sense of satisfaction. And, and Lord, I pray that, that we would not be anxious. I pray, Lord, I pray, God, if there's one thing that we get in our 50-day journey of deepening our relationship with you, of spiritual transformation, that we would not be anxious about our way of life. We are living in a day, Lord, where there's a lot of anxiety about our way of life. There's a lot of anxiety about our finances and our country and everything else. Lord, I pray we would quit wringing our hands and being anxious and recognize it all as an opportunity, Lord, to demonstrate Messiah-likeness in our confidence, in our courage, in our mercy, in our humility, and our generosity. We thank you, God, for the Ruach who dwells in us and allows us to live that way. We pray in Messiah's name. Amen.